0: This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Now and Not Yet. Pressing in when you're waiting, wanting, and restless for more. Written and narrated by best-selling author Ruth Cho Simons and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold.
1: Hey friends, welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum, Each episode, I sit down with a guest to discuss their life journey and how the grace of God has impacted them along the way. After listening to today's episode, I hope you are encouraged that God can use you right now in the midst of your day-to-day life. Yes, it requires daily surrender and trust, but we must remember His grace is enough. Welcome to another episode of Grace Enough Podcast. Today on the show, I chat with mother-daughter relationship psychologist, Dr. Michelle Deering. Dr. Deering's book, What Mothers Never Tell Their Daughters, is written from the perspective of a daughter, a mother, and a psychologist. Today, we talk all about navigating that relationship. Listen to what Dr. Deering says is one common mother daughter experience that shapes the way they see each other, which ultimately influences how they communicate with one another.
2: How moms and daughters deal with their experiences of difference is key in terms of like, for instance, the first time that a mom will notice that her daughter is doing something that's, that's different than how she would think it ought to be done and how that mom reacts to that. And in turn, how the daughter responds to that or reacts to that, that then starts a certain dance between the two of them. uh, Because ultimately what a daughter wants is to feel accepted and loved But in our maternal, we have years of experience kind of thing, (laughs) we're quick to say, no, don't do that. (laughs) Okay, and then have a response that it can be unintended. So there's that, that experience of difference.
1: After today's episode, I hope you will be encouraged to take the next step toward healing either the broken mother-daughter relationship you're experiencing, or maybe another relationship. Good morning, Dr. Deering. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me for the Grace Enough podcast.
2: I'm so glad to be here with you, Amber. I'm really excited to be here.
1: Will you take a moment and go ahead and introduce yourself, your family, and what you do to our listeners?
2: Again, my name is Dr. Michelle Deering. I am a mother-daughter relationship consultant. Um, I'm a licensed psychologist, author, and keynote speaker. Um, and I've been practicing in the mental health field for over 20 years. That's what I do professionally. Um, personally, uh, next month, uh, we'll be celebrating our 27th year of marriage uh, to my BFF. <laughs> and this past weekend, well, actually, a couple months ago, we newly minted our twin daughters who turned 18. And this past weekend, they graduated from high school. Wow. So. That's that
1: (laughs) you're almost an empty
2: nester, Uh, almost an empty nester, though. I'm having some parts of it now because they're at a beach trip with uh, some friends. So this is the first time our house has been empty. Oh, my goodness. That's the transition. Um, Then spiritually, I've been walking with Christ for over 35 years. Um, And actually, when I was thinking about being with you on the show today, and this is, I'm really going to date myself. There's a Stephen <laughs> Curtis Chapman song. I love that, Stephen Curtis <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> Where it's The Great Adventure, and yeah. all I kept hearing was, Saddle up your horses. Yes. And, you know, in God's amazing grace. So that's that's the thing that just, and that's kind of just been typical of my walk with the Lord. Uh, just realizing that, you know, when I didn't know Christ, life was kind of boring, and in addition to a whole bunch of other things going on. But once... I met him, it's just been one adventure after the other, and Julia's grace has been sufficient.
1: I'd love to hear that, because so often people think that a relationship and walk with Christ is boring, and I'm like, oh, no, no it's, it's no. not. <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> it's far from boring. It's maybe um, a little more excitement than you <laughs> you bargained for, right? I got on that horse, man. <laughs> that's right. There's a lot of surrender involved, too, but but yeah. that's not a bad thing. Well, share with our listeners how your personal journey has impacted the work that you do with mothers and daughters. So share just a little bit of your personal journey and how that kind of leads into what you do now.
2: Okay. Um, I've been through a lot, Mm -hmm. just to give the thumbnail. And everyone has their story. Mine basically starts with growing up, being raised by a single mom who emigrated from Jamaica to the United States uh, back in the Bronx, New York. So I'm a Bronx girl. And what I know of my history was that she had fled my biological dad because he was abusive to her and um, and then found out she was pregnant with me. So she was, you, you know, know. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, quite a shock for her to learn that. But one of the things that when I think about her is that she loved me the best she could. Um, and that kind of worked its way out in terms of, her just not being despairing, but being very determined to make ends meet, do whatever she needed to do to find work, um, keep food on the table, shelter over our heads. But she also had this knack for commenting on everything that I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I call I call it. Uh, she's rather critical. You know that Jamaican upbringing. <laughs> yeah. Um. And it kind of made me conscious of uh, a couple of things. Um, one, it made me conscious that effort and work, hard work was really important, that money was really important, (laughs) that my social surroundings were things to be noted as well as my appearance, both racially and aesthetically. She was very picky about how I looked and appeared and things of that nature. And whereas that was good for me to survive Mm -hmm. growing up, it it didn't do much for my self-esteem, my Mm -hmm. sense of who I was. And it left me feeling that I was not good enough that I was defined by what I did, as opposed to who I was, and um, and that I was an extension of her because she poured everything into me in the hopes that I would be able to take her out of the poverty that we were in. So fast forward, I go off to Brown University, I graduate with my, you know, I was intended to go for a medical degree, but things happened. I got saved in the middle of all of that and um, ended up. Going off to pursue a doctorate in counseling psychology. And that was that happened during a quiet time that I was having. Oh. And God intervened in one of those merry moments and said, Go back to grad school for psychology, to which I laughed. And, <laughs> and, and then, the began, right? <laughs> then the
1: adventure began, right?
2: Then the adventure began because I'm like, You want me to go into that godforsaken field? Etc. So fast forward, I ended up getting married in the midst of all of that. We ended up finding out that we were pregnant with twin girls, and one I was not a happy camper. Let's put it that way. I wanted boys because I thought I was going to be a good boy mom, mom to boys. And so when I found out I was having girls, I was not happy because I thought there's no way, given my experiences with my mom, that I could actually do any better. And I was concerned that I would mess them up. <laughs> and so, I can relate. Uh, so then in the midst, while well, that's happening. Here I am doing clinical work with mostly a college population of students and student athletes, most of whom were female. And I started noticing with the clients that I had who had eating disorders, because that was one of my specialties, mm. that there is this thing that would always go on in therapy in what they would share with me and with their moms. <laughs> and it just got me thinking about, hmm, you know, there's something to this. Freudian joke of tell me about your mother. Well, yeah, there's a lot to do with it. So um, I ended up we ended up moving from New Jersey to North Carolina, and I was in a cul-de-sac that had a lot of young moms. Hmm. And as I'm getting to know them, and they're getting to know me, and they know the work I do, they would talk. And I started noticing how they would talk about their daughters compared to how they would talk about their sons. And the ways in which they would mention them or say things that were either bordering on critical or maybe just comments like words or labels that they would just say offhandedly just really started painting me. And I was like, how can I help Mm. these moms not repeat the stuff that they would bellyache to me about their moms and then see how they're interacting with their daughters? How can I help them break the cycle? Yeah. And so that's what led to you know writing the book my book what mothers never tell their daughters cuz i wanted to in my one of my hair pulling moments it's like if they just only understood what i'm trying to do differently than what i experienced as a mom i mean as a daughter want to do differently with them and so that's what prompted writing the book
1: yeah it's interesting to hear that too because that's i know that cycle of i don't want to repeat but then i find myself repeating did you find that as you were observing that in, you know, your cul-de-sac of young moms, but that you were also doing that with your daughters?
2: I, I'm one of, I think one of my traits is that I overanalyze myself. Mm-hmm. And so the quick answer to your question is, yeah, of course I repeated it. I'm not perfect. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, but uh, I think one of the things that, again, in God's grace, he's graced me with these experiences because I have owned up to when I've done Mm -hmm. something incorrectly. I've apologized. I call myself the apologizing mom Mm -hmm. because, you know, I'm quick to say sorry, which is something my mother never did. And so in my making mistakes, I want folks to learn from my mistakes, but I also want them to learn from the stuff that, you know, I know psychologically and clinically from my training that backs up, why it is you ought not go down this path, but let's try going down the other path.
1: Yes, absolutely. And forgiveness does. Saying you're sorry goes such a long way. It's absolutely incredible to me. Mm -hmm. Yep. I mean, those words just really do go a long way. And so, (laughs) well, I mean, family relationships can be difficult. Um, And there's such a large number of reasons that we could rattle off of why family relationships can be difficult. Personalities, your past experiences, I mean, the list just goes on and on. And so, and plus that whole, that close proximity with someone over time can even add to that. But what are some common mother-daughter experiences that shape the way that we see each other and which in turn, you know, influences our understanding of one another? Mm-hmm. What are some of those common experiences that I know that you touch on in the book? So you don't have to give us all of them, but just, you know, a few.
2: Yeah, actually, um, this happened. I, I'm always uh, thinking, as I said, I'm analyzing everything. It's are pluses and minuses to it. Um, first, let me say that that no mother daughter relationship is the same. Like nothing's cookie cut. So, exactly. So, so take that as a as a base. But what I found is two things. One is how moms and daughters deal with their experiences of difference is key um, in terms of like, for instance, uh, the first time that a mom will notice that her daughter is doing something that's that's different than how she would think it ought to be done Mm -hmm. and how that mom reacts to that and in turn how the daughter responds to that or reacts to that, that then starts a certain dance between the two of them. Um, because ultimately what a daughter wants is to feel accepted and loved. But in our maternal, we have years of experience kind of thing. <laughs> We're <laughs> quick to say, no, don't do that. <laughs> okay. And then have a response that it can be unintended. So there's that, that experience of difference. Right. And I think I think the other thing in terms of that's common for, and I'll just say for moms is, you know, our motherhood starts at the, ter- at the point of conception. Absolutely. And the research backs this up is that what a mother is experiencing, the circumstances around her pregnancy mm. before, during and shortly thereafter really affect the child <laughs> that's been within uh, them. Yeah. I could quote your research all over the place. I won't bore you, but just suffice it to say that impacts how then a mother will see that child. And I, and I love the word conception because it doesn't just mean something biological. It's really about a thought that's in your mind. And that thought then gets transferred to how you feel, which then gets transferred to what you do. I mean, that's just psych like 101. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, and there is something to be said. So like, for instance, I'll just use myself as an example. My mom at that point of realizing that she had me in her as a result of the seed of an abusive man, Mm -hmm. she had a choice to make. And I say this in my book and she's told me this, do I keep you or do I throw you in the garbage? Now, what mother thinks that? Usually you see the wonderful stories of, Oh baby infant. Ooh, coo, coo, coo. Mm -hmm. Okay. But she continued her story with me by saying, But when I saw you smile and that moment, I knew I had to keep you. Mm -hmm. But then all the emotion that she had not fully processed or was able to process came out later on. You know what I'm saying? So that's my long-winded answer to it.
1: Yeah. So just a lot of it starts from the very, very beginning. And when you don't deal with it, any of the negative emotions, it ends up coming out in your relationship with your children. Yes. Well... I dare to say that anyone who is facing a strained relationship at all does have this desire for that relationship to be reconciled. I mean, I think that we all have those strained, strained relationships, whether it be with your mom, with your dad, with another family member, with a dear friend, with maybe your spouse, whoever. Um, we have that desire for it to be reconciled and healed. Um, What are some ways that mothers and daughters can go about you know, air quotes fixing that relationship because it is years <laughs> and years. I'm so but glad uh, you yeah, said, yeah, yeah, yeah. My air quotes, <laughs> air quotes. <laughs> um, but you know, what are just some? Because I mean, I do want people. I've really enjoyed your book. It's been very, um, a very good. I've been listening to it, so I was getting ready to say a good read for me, but it's been good for my ears and my thought processes. But um. You know, just what are some of those ways when you first just think, I know I'm in a broken relationship, a painful relationship with my mom?
2: You know, I've been up and down the East Coast, you know, talking about my book and stuff like that. And I am, uh, I get overwhelmed and it's a weird kind of overwhelm when, when moms just come to me and tell me what it is that they're hurting in and um or daughters who whether they're young adults or just a little bit older do that look i call it the mm. <laughs> like their eye goes up to heaven sideways <laughs> and, and it's at the mention of their mom so you know with that said i the whole quotation around fix it i think there's an element and again this is not to be uh, to say anything negative about the body of christ but i think sometimes there can be um this expectation that reconciliation is the the, the definite goal mm. reconciliation actually takes two and this is term two to tango Absolutely, and it's the same way same way that god deals with us it's like jesus died on the cross it's out there for and everyone it's available it's available <laughs> okay so with that said the fix really does take two if you want the full reconciliation, but the sometimes that might be just one, where you're just coming to terms with some things. And this brings me to my second point, the whole deal with the plank in your own eye so that you can address the speck in the other person's eye. Mm-hmm. But really, notice the size difference, plank in eye, mm-hmm. <laughs> speck in other person's eye. So really it's about the first step to fixing it would be for a mom or daughter to really just kind of look at themselves and say, okay, what have I contributed to this? What role do I play in this? Or if say it's been an abusive relationship between the mom and the daughter, what's going on with me as it relates to this? So really it's about taking stock of the plank. And then realizing that change is possible, but it may not it may not look the way you think it's going to look. <laughs> okay, so for instance, I'm thinking about a particular client. I'm just going to call her Allison. Okay, the, her mother was very neglectful and verbally abusive towards her. Um, and in the work that I've done, with her uh with the daughter has been her grieving the fact that the image and the desire that she had for what a mom daughter relationship would look like is not gonna happen
1: mm-hmm.
2: but that she herself could reparent herself okay by learning ways to talk to herself the way the way she wished her mom had.
1: Aha, uh-huh. okay. Okay,
2: this now working with this person. It's taken a few years, okay, because of a bunch of other things. Right. But she, I can say now that she is actually said to me two weeks ago. She said, "You know, I am really an awesome person, and I, I am because she's a parent. Yes, I am a good mom, and that took a lot. Yeah, for her years. to do that. Years. Now." There's there are two chapters in my book, chapters fourteen and fifteen that talk about some practical things. One of the ones that I mentioned for both moms and daughters is to thank the other person. Thanking someone takes you through a, the process of pausing to actually acknowledge something positive. Yes. And to be grateful. Yeah. Uh, I think at one point I say in the book, if you're a daughter reading this part of the book, <laughs> um, just know that I mentioned in the mother section. That you that she needs to thank you for being her daughter, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and vice versa. Right. So I think an attitude of gratitude comes goes a long way. Somewhere, even if all you can be thankful for is that she gave you life and that you're here, start there.
1: Yeah, and it's a it, it requires humility. Yes. To go to someone and do that, oftentimes, if you're in a strained relationship, well, it's interesting because. So I was talking to a friend this morning as I was dropping my children off. And she was like, so who are you interviewing today? Because she's picking up my kids from VBS. Uh And I told her and she asked me, she said, oh, well, I wonder what, you know, she would say about, yes, it takes these two people. It takes two people acknowledging that there's a problem for there to be true reconciliation. But what is, I mean, it's so hard when you're one willing to do it, but whether you're the mother or the daughter on the opposite side, they're not willing to take that step. And so is that where it comes in, like you said, with your client here recently, where you just have to really learn to parent and love yourself in a healthy way and know that you've kind of, you've admitted your part in the problem and then just move on? Because how how does that work?
2: Uh, yes, um, everyone is different, but I, I hear that. And I would say there's a point at which, for some, there might be a point at which you've done all you can do. And I think that's one of the things that um, Christians have at their disposal that non-Christians don't, in that they have a God who loves them, who they can pray to, because we don't see all the stuff that he's doing right. in the hearts of people. Mm-hmm. We have no idea. I have a friend who's who grew up Hindi, and came to Christ on fire for Jesus, and parents are not. But now that she's in a role of taking care of her mom, mm. and all the prayers of the saints and all of us who've been praying for, and the different changes where the mom will actually ask her to pray for her. You know, oh, wow. different different things like that. I mean, God is big. We have no idea. But if we just stay true to what can we do now as the individual daughter or mother to actually still be walking in what you know to do as a follower of Christ meaning uh and i have to quote ma jackson who i mentioned in my book where she said girl love covers a multitude of sin you just got to love love yeah
1: and, <laughs> and there's no way, faith that god faith. really right. can change hearts and i think yes. that can be the really hard thing when you're talking years and years and years of both sides of the relationship being broken and even getting to a point personally of being able to admit my own fault in relationships, it's hard to maintain faith that there'll ever be change on the other side, but that is part of it. Loving and maintaining faith.
2: Yes. And keeping and and, and keeping the hope. You know, God, it, I know there are people who have written this, written books on, you know, does God disappoint and stuff like that. I'm not going to get into that. But all I will say is, He's put a hope in us. Mm-hmm. And the answer to our prayers might not be take the form that we're expecting. But if you can keep a larger perspective of th- you're planting seed for generations from now. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that, you know, because my heart is for young people. You know, I've, I've written a book about moms and daughters, but I didn't understand what it was that God wanted me to do with regards to the book Right. until it's like, moms, really? Daughters, what? But it's really about helping the mom's parent, the next generation, because it's that next generation that's then going to go further on. So even if, you know, I'm talking to your listeners now, if you're at a place where you're doing what you need to do, and it doesn't seem to nothing seems to be budging um, or improving and whatnot. If you can just stay the course and keep keep at it, know that even you yourself, when God is showering love on you, have had your moments. <laughs> okay,
1: daily, uh, Daily, <laughs> right, right, right. right.
2: Um, but that even if you don't see it this side of the curtain, you're you're passing on a pattern that. It will break a cycle later on, um and I know that to be true personally, and even as I saw my own daughters you know graduate from high school, my tears wont because of seeing how God has put certain people in my life. My girls will be the first to say I'm not a perfect mom, yeah and no well, one none is of, that's what I'm um, none of us but are. they but when I look at you know things that they've either written to me or said to me or even the shout outs from the stage that hey, is mom kind of thing there's something to be said for
1: that. Well, and in your research and just all the work that you've done and the writing and the speaking, what is just some of the greatest benefits that you've seen to mothers and daughters being, I mean, maybe we should use a different term than reconciled, but just walking the path of healing. What are some of those benefits that you've seen experienced personally, maybe?
2: Yeah, um, two thoughts go through my head. One is, in terms of the women I've encountered, the thing that constantly keeps coming up, if I just had to put one theme through it, is that people say to me, I didn't realize. Now I see. Hmm. So for me, and I'm just going to clump that under the term more clarity, You know, you can have all the tools given to you, but if you don't understand what you're supposed to do with it or how it's going to apply, then you're kind of just fumbling around um, without direction. So that clarity, I think, is something that um, people have gotten and that that's so important. Uh, I mean, it says in the word you get wisdom, you know, though it costs all you have, get understanding. There's something to be said about understanding what's going on with yourself and really getting honest with it. And that takes a lot of courage. Mm-hmm. So then being able to walk in that light of that understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the first thing. And then the second thing that popped into my head cause I was thinking about different ports where I was writing the book and you, you've obviously listened to the book. They're difficult chapters. Yeah. Um, and I remember I was on a roll. I was writing, I was writing and then got to that chapter. And I, I remember writing, my tears are coming down. And then I pause and I said, Lord, I gotta stop. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, do you really want me to go there? And he's like, yes. And all I kept thinking about was, you know, not that I'm Christ, but you know, all the mothers who have a hard time going there, come with me, let's go there. Because you can make it out on the other side. And I, and I got clarity about some things, especially with my oldest twin, who's my quieter of the two. Right. Um, it really helped me pause more for her. And, and, and it's made a difference in this past senior year for her.
1: Well, and that's something I've learned, too, that to reconcile or begin a healing process, it takes a lot of work. And you've got to be, I mean, you've got to be willing to do work. Um, and sometimes that work's really painful.
0: Yes.
1: And I know because I have friends and family members who there's just so much fear to engage in the work.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That there's a lot of unresolved pain and bitterness that continues to build over years and years and years of just not going ahead like you said when you don't want to go there and write it down or speak it or go to counseling or whatever the next step is for you there's a lot of bitterness that will come as a result of that and so if you were to speak to somebody who's maybe in that place where they're right now thinking oh I know that I need to take the next step towards you know working out this relationship whether it's with the person personally Because sometimes people have lost their mothers and they don't even have that choice anymore. Or they've shut them completely out of their life, whatever that is. What would you say to that person who's just a little bit reluctant to take that next step and dig in?
2: Even as you're you're saying that, um,
1: and I I know
2: we're we're able to see each each other, other. but but I'm holding back the tear because that is such a... A painful place and the enemy would just love for you to think that you're by yourself in it so if there's anything that I could say is that you're not by yourself God is near the brokenhearted and however wherever that crevice is inside your heart that you've locked up chained up and just put the padlock thrown the key away just know that God is a gentleman and he's gently just knocking he's not even picking up the key He's gently just knocking and just waiting and he's patient that you're not by yourself, that, that there are, and again, I'm not saying this because I'm a psychologist, but there are counselors out there, therapists, psychologists who in the privacy of a confidential environment where no one will know anything Mm -hmm. that you say, please just get yourself paired up with someone in that capacity. It's, not, it's different than talking to your girlfriend yes. or a friend and, and avail yourself of that resource. And then even with that, you know, it says that he's our counselor. Mm-hmm. God is our counselor. So even if you just open your heart to just talk to him about it, you might not get the answer or the, the next step right away, but you'll know
0: mm-hmm.
2: what the next step is that you need to take. And if I could implore you, just know one tiny little step
0: mm-hmm.
2: will go a long way for yourself because really the burden is just so heavy and I know it. I, I I've seen it. I've experienced it. Just know just that little step. You'll be relieved.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It'll make so much of a difference. So please.
1: Yeah. I know I mean, my encouragement would be if you keep feeling that burden that something's got to give, do just take the next step yes. take it don't keep pushing it away and saying oh i don't need to do it it's that's the holy spirit speaking to you <clears throat> saying take the step i'm going to keep nudging you in this way until you finally move forward so that's what i would say just because i've been there too and so um and it does that next step opens up the opportunity to experience some major healing and so for someone who picks up or purchases what mothers never tell their daughters, what can they expect from reading the book? How is it kind of broken up? I mean, you've told us a lot, but sometimes <laughs> we, want, we want a little more.
2: Okay. okay. Um, well, the book uh, is the only one out there that addresses this topic from three voices. You'll hear the, pers- the voice and perspective of me as a daughter then the perspective is me as a mom of twin daughters. And then at different points in time, I put on my clinical hat and make observations about it, but it's not done in a, this is not a psych book, please. <laughs> right,
1: right. It's, not, it's, it's, a it's very, more of a personal
2: story, a personal story that has, you know, not just my story in it, but I flatter in different client things, but it's intended to be sort of conversational, sort of like the way you and I have been talking today, whereas if we got, went to Starbucks and we're just sitting down and just getting to know each other, it's, I take them through the first part of the book, which is called the Riffs section, where I, I I take 20 years of clinical experience and I try to boil it down to three things that moms and daughters miss it on. (laughs) Um, and, and then the second section is the remedy section where I kind of give, because all relation, mother daughter relationships are different. I kind of give them, uh, things to consider, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: which is part of the framework that I put forth. There are five things that uh, you need to consider if you're a mom or a daughter. And then I have the um, reward section, which I kind of just talk about, you know, Hey, if you get to the other side, when you get to the other side here's some things that are benefits for having gone through the process. And I actually at one point in that section said – you know, if you had a section, if you have a situation where you just wanted to get some answers, chapters 14 to 15, this is good, but really go through the first part of the book. Right, exactly. Because <laughs> it'll help you even more so.
1: That's right. Yeah. Well, and the book is available on Amazon, and it's also available in an audiobook, which is what I, I always enjoy audiobooks, particularly when they're read by the actual author. When I read or when I listen to an audiobook that's read by someone else, I'm like, No, I want to hear your (laughs) voice. So you can pick those up there. But we typically end our show with a few questions. The first one being the grace of God is something that we all experience once, um, you know, we come to know Christ, but there are times in our life when we cling to that grace ever more tightly. Is there a time in your life that you can share with us where you feel you have really had to cling to God's grace?
2: Uh, yeah, for, when I was going through my doctoral program, he, and I think I alluded to this earlier, I said, what, go into the field of psychology, that godforsaken forsaken field. Right. <laughs> so, you know, from the get go, I had people telling me uh, that they wanted me to disown my Lord, um, as I was going through the process and all while going to class, getting good grades. I was married, pregnant with my twin girls. Um, I was doing the quantitative dissertation, <laughs> gathering data, analyzing, writing, <laughs> defending, graduating, taking my written and oral licensing exam. Do, I, I look back and I go, oh, that was just God's grace. Because literally, mm-hmm. I don't. I, it was like he was just holding me and I was holding him because there were days where I wasn't holding him and I knew full well
1: right? he had to be holding <laughs> me. Especially if you had newborn <laughs> babies. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> Girl.
2: Yes. And yeah, the whole thing. Um, So that's, that comes to mind. That was a very, that's just God.
1: Yes. Well, what are some um, areas where you feel like you need to pour out the grace that God has poured out on you to others? I feel like I don't get to this question as often with people (laughs) just because of time, but you're, I want to (laughs) know.
2: I, right now... I feel like I need to pour out grace on myself mm. more so because, and it's weird, when now that our girls are about to go off to school, off to college, and we're going to be empty nesters, This it's been a time of reflection where I'm sort of like, man, should we have done that? Or man, I could have done this better. Or things of that nature and as opposed to stepping back and just looking at them and seeing look they have what it was that I was imperfectly able to do mm. for them as a mom yeah they Seem to be doing great when you know. Yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. You know what I mean. <laughs> and so, but I think the grace that I need to pour out for myself is to not be so hard.
1: Yes, on yourself. Myself,
2: on myself, and yes, we become empty nesters. Yeah, it's just you know, did I do it right? Do they have all the lessons that I wanted? Things of that nature. So.
1: Yes. Yes, And isn't that somewhat what the enemy in our own flesh does to us? Like causes you to question everything when in reality, they are going, I mean, they are going to make mistakes.
2: Yes. (laughs) Yes. And it's
1: not going to be your fault. (laughs) Yes.
2: Yes. Actually, you know, speaking of that, because I've been watching um, the the Bible, the series, the Bible Uh that came out, uh, just watching it all over again. We have Netflix and I was just watching when Jesus went into the 40 days. Oh, yeah. And I was struck by how the enemy attacked his sense of who he is, mm-hmm. and then he attacked. Okay, who are you loyal to? Yeah. And who do you love? <laughs> you know. Yes. And so it just made me just start thinking about. Okay, I just, as you were saying, we need to realize.
1: Just back up.
2: We we did okay. Yes. You know? yes no no okay? perfection
1: here no, you know? no perfection here you know um well if you had the opportunity to sit down with your great grandkids and give them oh some gosh. wisdom what's something you'd like to share with them oh
2: great grandkids um well first I have to f- figure out whether or not I want to be called Nana or, yeah. or <laughs> mother
1: hey you got some time girl I got I got some
2: time yeah that's what I told my girls it's like nope not in a rush that's here. right <laughs> But the first thing I would, there are three things. One, that it's better to obey God always. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. First Samuel 15, 22. Second thing would be, and I alluded to this earlier, that wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. And though it costs all you have, get understanding. That's out of Proverbs. That's something that my mom actually told me. I didn't know where she got it from, actually, when, she's, when she told right. it to me. She was like, get
1: wisdom. <laughs> She may not have known where she got it from. You right, know, sometimes right, right. That's, <laughs> that's like it gets passed down to us, right? Right, right.
2: And then the last thing, um, because everything I do is I'm thinking legacy, but I want them to know that I love God and that I sought to apprehend all of that which He apprehended me for in Christ. And that's been my life verse, Philippians 3 three, twelve. Wow. Yeah, grand- Granny loved God. <laughs> <I think it's- laughs> can't go wrong with that
1: well dr deering i so appreciate you being here today i encourage anybody listening to just check out the book you can find it on amazon and i'll also link to it in the show notes um is there anywhere that we can find you on the web i know you have a youtube channel
2: yes it's listed uh See, this is how bad I am Uh, in terms of uh, the actual URL. It's listed under at Lightbulb Moments, but it's spelled differently. If they make sure that I put, I think yeah, if you can just put that in it because it's yeah, spelled differently in the show. That'd be great. Um, But then on Facebook, I'm listed under Curative Connections at Curative C-U-R-A-T-I-V-E Connections with an S on the end. Um and then my website is www.curativeconnections.com and I believe I'm I'm just getting onto Instagram so don't follow me on Instagram. Okay. <laughs> all right. I'm, I have I have some followers but I'm still working on that part. I'm getting up to speed in this age of information I know,
1: right? The tech age. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, thank you so much for your time and your expertise. I appreciate it.
2: Yes, no problem. I'm sure I, I just Enjoyed spending time with you and uh, actually get to hear you and see you.
1: Yes, absolutely. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Resources, links, and quotes from today's conversation can be found at graceenoughpodcast.com under the show notes tab. If you are enjoying the show, I would like to ask you a few favors. Number one, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. You can head over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure you never miss a new episode of the podcast. Number two, if you enjoy the show, would you take a moment to leave a review on iTunes? Those reviews help me to know how the show is impacting you. And number three, the best way to grow is for people like you to share it with your friends. Will you share your favorite Grace Enough podcast episode via text, email, or social media? Again, I'm so grateful for each one of you who listen week in and week out.
0: Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough podcast. Tune in next time.